0: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's happening, Reggie?
1: What's happening? I, I feel like we're spending a lot of time together these days with Man, you TV. can't get rid of me, man. You can't get rid podcast. of me. podcast. Woo. It's yeah, been all good, man. Yeah. yeah.
0: Busy, jam-packed weekend, to say the least. Plenty to discuss. We're going to be recapping the rest of the NFL draft and the Vikings' new front office regime's draft hall. We'll take a look at the rest of the NFC North, how that's shaped up, plus breaking down the Timberwolves' first-round exit versus the Memphis Grizzlies Friday night, and previewing The Minnesota Wild game one playoff series tonight as they square off against who else? The St. Louis Blues Mm. all coming up. On Superior Sports Talk, but first, make sure to check out our other daily show on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's the Ron Johnson Show, featuring former Gopher and NFL receiver Ron Johnson and producer Sam Ekstrom. Get the daily opinions of an athlete-turned-broadcaster. Ron Johnson tells it like it is, whether it's Vikings, Gophers, Wolves, or Twins. Subscribe to the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. All right. Well, another draft in the books, Reggie, and and for better or worse, fair or unfair, the Vikings' first-time general manager, will always be tied to his first draft hall Mm -hmm. as its fans' first glimpse at his draft tendencies. You know, we're looking for his philosophies, as well as the kind of, you know, players and athletes he and his scouting staff are going to like to target in the future. So they also learn, fans, that is, just how aggressive he is, willing to Mm -hmm. move up and down in the draft, even with division rivals, something that, you know, it's usually been an unwritten kind of no-no in the league after they swap picks not once but twice – Moving back with the Lions in round one, they selected Alabama wideout Jamison Williams and allowing the Packers access to seemingly do the same when they moved up to select NDSU wide receiver Christian Watson. Reggie, let's start there because that's kind of what fans have been having the most trouble swallowing, I think, is the risk involved trading inside the division because now you have to you gotta play these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and if they hit on those picks, it's just going to feel like a double whammy having to defend those guys twice a year for maybe, who knows, the next five, ten years. What would you think about those moves?
1: So, funny enough, I asked Kweisi about those moves. I'm like, yeah. dude, you don't think yeah. that, uh, that there there's a little bit of apprehension doing that? And he was just like, no, no, you know. I, I definitely had to to pause and, you know, I thought about it. But I think in the end, the gain that he felt like in value that he got was far greater than the whole like oh I'm trading within the division type deal because he was confident in the fact that the Vikings still have to line up and play those teams and they have to try to defend what they're going to do I think where he sees it as as a position of strength and as a position of of almost power if you will Mm -hmm. because he's just like look I know it's kind of taboo to trade within the division, and I know the guys that they got, but, you know, they got to find a way to beat us at the end of the day. And I guess when you take an an approach like that, you're like, okay, all right. Like, this guy has a a, a couple stones, you know, Mm -hmm. to to Mm -hmm. say things like that and to feel the way that he feels. And so I think you mentioned it, aggressiveness. I think – this really shows how aggressive he is and, and just how much he likes to deal. I, I think we saw he made like five or six trades in this draft. I couldn't so, keep up. I couldn't yeah, keep up. I, it, it's it's kind of crazy, I, but he likes to make a deal. He was watching Wayne Brady and them on uh, <laughs> CBS. Like he He's like, let's make a deal. And so I think that's something that, you know, as a fan, you know, you're like, okay, who is this guy? What is he about? And up until this point, it's just like, oh, man, it seems like he's been content just to run it back. And in his mind, he's like, no, like, I'm trying to build this team. I'm trying to be competitive here. And so he did the the moves that he thought was in the best interest of the football team, and he got guys that he felt like were of the highest interest to them. I know he was talking about, like, getting a Caleb Evans from Mizzou, mm-hmm. Like that being a guy that he was really in a dark room, just like, man, like if I can get this guy at the value that we see him at, like that that was his guy. Yeah, I would be really happy Mm -hmm. about that. And he got him Mm -hmm. and he ended up trading up a little bit to get him. And so, I am interested to see. You know, he's not a traditional football mind, but he has been in the trenches in the football world for several years now. And so, I am interested to see. If the research that he's done, you know, the charts that he sets up, if that is really going to pay off in the long run, because, you know, a guy coming over from Wall Street making a move into the football world, you're just like, well, what does this guy know about, you know, building personnel and all that? And I think he's a smart enough guy to understand, you know, how a football team works. And he's put the time in and put the work in with some elite football minds and so now this is his first time to be able to show and prove what he can do and i'm interested to see how these picks pay off
0: i think a lot of fans were worried about the lack of experience like you said the wall Mm -hmm. street guy mr hashtag analytics mr harvard coming over what does he know about Mm -hmm. football but i look at his track record in cleveland he was part of a couple great draft classes in cleveland and then before that in san francisco under john lynch Man, they put together some great draft classes too. So mm-hmm. he was able to see what and how that unfolded. Those you know, those solid draft classes, and what that looked like, and carry that with them here to Minnesota. And the other thing about trading inside the division—that again, you asked it at TCO, the press conference with Quaystie. The other thing he mentioned to you was. Who's to say that these teams aren't going to move up anyways? Even though I really like that value, I can't trade within the division. Maybe the Lions move all the way up to thirteen anyways and take Jamison Williams. So yeah, uh, I think that was a really smart case against why you shouldn't handcuff yourself against limiting three more teams that you can trade with. Being mm-hmm. again the Packers, Lions, and Bears, and uh, it was definitely interesting to say the least. Something again, NFL hasn't seen in a long time. He did it not just once but twice, and and we don't know how these bold moves are going to shake out for at least a few years but right. for now at minimum I do tip my hat to Kwesi for breaking some of those old molds and stereotypes around the draft and mm-hmm. being aggressive in his own way again forget about the mocks forget about the experts Mel Kuypers McShay go get your guys I mean mm-hmm. you study these guys he liked the cornerback from Missouri a whole heck of a lot he was a little aggressive he gave up next year's four to move up but he got mm-hmm. his guy I mean that's his guy that empty feeling you're left with when you miss out and somebody gets sniped, mm-hmm. no worse feeling, I'm sure, for a GM and scouting staff. After you put all the time, the effort, the interviews, the tape grinding, I'm glad he got his guys. And there is a lot to be excited about. I mean, starting mm-hmm. with the totally revamped secondary, bringing in three big pieces, mm-hmm. including that first round pick, Lewis Seen, and two cornerbacks. One being Andrew Booth Jr. I mentioned this to you before on Friday. If you would have told me you would have got Andrew Booth Jr. somewhere in the middle of the first round, I think a lot of fans would have been awfully excited. So both guys can fly all over the place. They're big, Mm -hmm. physically imposing players who smack you like a ton of bricks. I mean, yeah. the Vikings secondary added a lot more attitude over the weekend, and that was their most pressing need. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even though he did a lot of wheeling and dealing to get there, ultimately, that's got to be a huge win for Kwasi. Would you agree?
1: I do agree. And it's funny because, like, you you mentioned him being aggressive and losing yeah. next year's fourth-round pick to get up and draft a Caleb Evans. and. I think what's funny about that is I am not crying over these picks if mm-hmm. I am a Vikings fan because everything that we saw in this draft seems to tell me that next year, that fourth round pick that he lost out mm-hmm. on, probably he'll gain it back.
0: <laughs> yeah, he'll as find much as way. he
1: likes to as much as he likes to will and deal and make moves. And so I think what's interesting is is he went after the guys, as you said that he wanted. And he got him at the value that he wanted them at. It's so funny because, you know, Booth kind of had these injury issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that caused him to fall maybe out of the first round when you kind of have a first round grade on a guy like that. And so he even talked about it. Um, Andrew Booth Jr. did when it was time for him to address the media after he got drafted. And he was just like, man, look, I know what people are thinking about me, but like, you know, his his goal is to come into the league and, and set it on fire. And so he seems to be motivated to do that. You know, funny enough, and this is a, a really off the beaten path comparison, but I remember back in the day, there was a guy who thought who was thought to be injury prone um, in his college career and he ended up being one of the greatest Vikings of all time. And I'm talking about Adrian Peterson. And so, you know, like I said, these are two completely different case studies, obviously, but you know, it's, it's interesting because maybe, you know, there've been times where there have been college players who have gotten uh, a lot of injuries and then they got into the league and they are a pillar of health. And so that's something that maybe you hope for when you look at Booth because you're just like, well, maybe he got all the injuries out of the way and he's ready to go out and ball. He has the capabilities. He's one of the most talented Uh, players in this draft regardless of position and so it's like look if he can stay healthy if he can get under the tutelage and mentorship of Patrick Peterson watch out because like they they probably got a steal in that second round that was probably like best case scenario to be able to grab him and they were able to do that even after trading back and they were like oh okay okay this board is kind of falling let's trade back up Yeah. (laughs) And get Booth and and make sure we get the guy that we really wanted. Because what you don't want is you trade back so much, and then all of a sudden you lose out on the guys that you had on your board. And so Kwesi acknowledged that, and and he understood that, and he went up and did what he had to do. They did get that wide receiver, though, probably way later than many people Thought oh, no, that no. it was going to happen, but they got a speedster with uh, Jalen Naylor, and so yes, interested to see how he kind of develops. But as we've seen in the last couple of years, the the Vikings love them some some Big Ten receivers, don't they?
0: And you know, Kevin O'Connell was just itching. I mean, that foot oh, yeah. was pacing up and down, going, <laughs> "Hey, when's it? Hey, I'm all for defense, man, but when's it my turn, man? You yeah. know, I mean, I, I need something here to go to bed and sleep easy at night. <laughs> the dude's nickname is literally. It's speedy, so yeah. I mean, this guy didn't. I looked it up, this guy did not drop a pass over mm. 20 yards his entire Michigan State career. Wow, a really good addition just for depth, man. Again, a lot of three, four, five wide receiver looks. Uh, gonna be interesting for sure to see how it all pans out. Feels like a couple steals though in there for and, in his first draft. Just scanning the rest yeah. of the league, I mean, the Ravens just exploded off the page for me, stealing two number one players at the positions, Kyle Hamilton at safety, Tyler Lindenbaum at center, and didn't even have to trade up to go get them. Who else in the NFL kind of caught your eye as a big winner during the weekend? And I, I,
1: real quick, I want to go back to what you said about uh, getting value at the receiver position. What we saw with the Rams Mm. is kind of similar to what we're seeing with the Vikings like I think Van Jefferson was like a third round pick yeah
0: yep good you point. know
1: like they are getting good value with guys that they think that can come in and play well in their system yes and I think Kevin O'Connell is kind of taking a page out of the Rams playbook and it's just like look we don't care when we draft the guy I am confident in my offensive system and that we can grab a guy Get him into this system and make him be a productive player for us. And so when you got a guy like that who's a speedster, I think Kevin O'Connell has a use for him, and we'll see how that kind of develops moving forward. But everything that we've seen from like his coaching tree shows that they can just kind of grab a guy and turn him into what they need him to be in that offense. Now, going back to the question you asked about who caught my eye? Yeah, I think for me, The two teams that really kind of blew it out of the water, and you never have said this after a draft (laughs) of either of these two teams, the Jets and the Lions. Man. They got some great picks, man, especially in that in that first round, dude. Like, you know, it it sucks that they had to trade up with the Vikings to get Jamison Williams. But like Mm -hmm. if he recovers from that ACL injury and is the Jamison Williams that we saw at Alabama, man, watch out, man. Mm -hmm. Watch out defending that guy. St. Louis. Stand-up, Jamison Williams representing St. Louis. And then, you know, getting Aiden Hutchinson, having him fall, number two. There were a lot of people saying that Jacksonville really fumbled the bag. Uh, drafting Walker oh, no number doubt. one over round. We'll see what happens with we'll that. See. They they took the guy that they were comfortable with. But mm-hmm. seeing a guy like Hutchinson just fall to the Lions lap, like and then seeing Sauce just fall right to the Jets, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's just kind of crazy. And then they got they got a running back later in the in the Brees second Hall. round.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, they got your boy Brees Garrett Wilson. Yeah, and yeah, Garrett, Garrett, Garrett
1: Wilson is. is Jermaine a, is Johnson a dude. was
0: my guy. They got him like late yeah, first like, round. Like they dude, crushed, this man. hall they crushed this it. hall
1: is awesome. And so you know, getting a guy like Robert Salah who's a defensive mind and him getting a couple guys on that defensive end on the back end and in the front seven that, you know, can kind of wreck things. Like, I am interested to see how they build this thing. If Zach Wilson can take a step forward now that he has a top flight, number one receiver in Garrett Wilson now, too, like, man, watch out, man. I'm I'm excited to see what they do, and I've never said that about the Jets before in my life.
0: No, and same can be said about the Lions, too. just feels yeah. like a different identity and energy over there with Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. You saw the way they, yeah, they lost some games, but the way they battled and fought, sounds cliche, but watch the games. I mean, yeah. they're not the same old Lions that we're used to anymore. And now Vikings. you get Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Pascal, two guys that... Just love the game of football. Josh Paschal was a three-time captain at Kentucky, Mm. almost unheard of in college football. The guy just lives football. And now you add him with Aiden Hutchinson. And again, under a mentor like Dan Campbell. Mm. Man, watch out. The one thing I'll say about Jamison Williams, I know we're going way over, but... Last thing about the draft, Jamison Williams, whenever I thought about Jamison Williams getting drafted, I always thought about him going to a team where he could step in as that number two or three receiver and be a luxury, take the top off the defense like the Eagles or you know another team that already was kind of set. At mm-hmm. wideout, and then you bring in this third superstar speedster that can take the top off and create mismatches. It's going to be interesting for me because I never thought about him as like a true number one wideout on a team. I know they got Armand St. Brown, but he's going to be the guy. And it's just going to be interesting because, again, not that it's wrong by any means, it's just a different train of thought that when I thought about Jamison Williams getting drafted, mm-hmm. I didn't think about him again as the pillar in that wide receiver room. Certainly, again, risky moves. by by both teams, but man, the ceiling and the payoff could be absolutely huge. Vikings Mm -hmm. will know soon enough, one way or the other, (laughs) whether Jamison Williams is going to pan out. All right, Timberwolves, man, they gave it a go. Mm. They left everything out on the table during round one of the playoffs. Blood, sweat, and tears were shed, but in the end, it was the Memphis Grizzlies who took care of business, and they look like the more complete team. They finished out games strong night in and night out ultimately taking down the Wolves in six games, beating Minnesota 114-106 Friday night. Reggie, a lot more closely contested and heated of a matchup. I think a lot of people expected as the Wolves, just the seven seed, started the series out, stealing game one in Memphis. And it looked like at times they were clearly the better of the two teams despite the Grizzlies' number two seed status. So plenty for the Wolves to learn and grow from here. Just your initial thoughts on that disappointing round one exit for the Wolves despite owning big leads and showcasing some of that just amazing talent on the floor for most of the series.
1: They got to learn how to close, man. That's it. They got to learn how to close the, the problem with the Timberwolves is they are too talented for their own good. Mm. And sometimes they relied on that talent down the stretch when they should have just played basketball, played the type of basketball that got them, you know, the, the, the double digit leads that they got. I think, it's very interesting, man. It's very interesting because what what we saw yesterday with the Grizzlies playing against the, the Warriors is they have a lot of grit to them. Mm-hmm. But even against a more experienced team like the Warriors, there's a lesson for them to learn and them learning how to close because they didn't get a chance to close that game out. And, and maybe some watching that game, I think I was watching that game thinking that, Memphis at times looked like the better team and they ended up losing. And it's just so funny because in that last series, it was the opposite. And uh, like, you can't be a Timberwolves fan and watch the series and think back on the series and just think like, man, we messed up. We blew it. We blew it.
0: It stings, man.
1: And it's only because like, the Wolves just haven't been there before yet, and they don't know how it is to close games out. And really, how it is is do what got you there to get you over the top. You know, at times they were playing some great basketball. Ball movement was on point, you know, like, you know, cats making buckets, Ant is making great shots, and then, you know, they talked about it before the game. You know, Chris Finch was like, look, we got to stop playing hero ball when things slow down. And it's like, look, they haven't been there before, so they don't know how else to be. They're like, look, uh, we're just going to do it. You know, Cat jacks up that that long three out of nowhere and, and misses. And that just kind of seemed to to help turn the tide. Tyus Jones comes through with the clutch three at the, at the buzzer, at the shot clock buzzer, and it's just like, dang, man, here dirty. we go. Get him Here dirty. we go. And so I think – I think one thing that the the Wolves can learn from this is just how to how to be a better closer and it really just takes experience. You know, now they've been in these experiences where they've lost these leads. They've blown these double digit leads several times. And that should fire them. That should that should fuel them to be better and to kind of revise and and go back to the the lab to see what they can do better to help themselves get over the hump because what we've seen is that they are talented enough to play with anybody it's just them being able to to learn how to win and not only learn how to win but win consistently
0: you kind of touched on it right there so this may be kind of a hard question to answer but i mean where do we go from here right as a whole this Mm -hmm. season was a huge success Mm -hmm. i mean a lot of experts didn't have the wolves win in what 30 games or so overall so a lot to build off but I mean, I guess specifically outside of just experience, which there's not a lot you can do again during an offseason or draft mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, building in the regular season. What needs to happen moving forward for this young inexperienced team to take that next step? I think
1: maybe they need a little bit more than Pat Bev. Okay. I think he was, he was he sure. was a great piece to add he was, and yep. and he'll he'll continue to help them, you know, moving forward and kind of be that veteran mind and that veteran presence to mm-hmm. to help them out. But I think they need another veteran to come in there and be able to give them some valuable minutes. And I don't know how they add that veteran in there uh, in the mix. But they need to add a guy, I think, to get them some, like, I've been here before mentality to, you know, help them kind of, you know, get out of some of their habits when the chips get down and they want to play hero ball. Like, this guy is just like, okay, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, like, they had that guy in, in Jimmy Butler years ago, mm. but he was just so daggone toxic here and couldn't get along with right. with his teammates that it just didn't work out long term. And so I just think that with a, another year of maturation, you know, now they've been to the playoffs. Now it's an expectation that they should be going back with the talent assembled because we've seen. Set. yeah. Yeah, we've seen that they have it. And so now it's learning from this experience and maybe grabbing like another piece of some sort, a veteran player of some Mm -hmm. kind to help them get over the top.
0: Closing out here just real quick. I, you know, I want to hand out some quick, just end of the season awards. I was going to ask you the cliche, who is the MVP cat or ant, but I want to change that a little bit and tweak it more. So I want to say, is there any question moving forward? Who the leader, the, the building block, the cornerstone of this team is, is it still cat or there's some rumblings that maybe it's it's time for Ant to try to take this team over and, and and you know, put the team on, on his back and shoulders moving forward. So here's the
1: thing. And allow me to step on this soapbox a little bit. Now, look. Yes, sir. I am not blind to the fact that Cat has some improving to do, okay? No doubt. I, I understand that. And he knows that. And there are some times that, you know, he has put himself in some bad positions out there on the floor. And he said some things that you're just like, okay, Kat, like let's just dial it back just a little (laughs) bit. Okay. It's okay. It's all right. Is
0: that necessary? You're right.
1: But I will say there are so many people so quick to dunk on Kat. No, you're right. And I think the issue is, is like, He's still growing as a player and everybody's like, look, you're seven now going yep. into year. like he's not a, a young guy anymore. He. Need, mm-hmm. But like, honestly, like you, you're talking about a guy that has only been to the playoffs twice now. Mm-hmm. The first time he really was a little hamstrung. This time he was trying to figure it out. And so you would hope that in the natural evolution of a player that the next time he goes to the playoffs, he'll learn a little bit more from these past two experiences and he'll go out and dominate like Shaq wants him to do. (laughs) And so I think it's interesting because this is still a team that goes as cat goes. And I do say that, Ant is the guy that you definitely want to build around. But I think he needs Cat there to help share some of the load. And so to answer your question, yeah, it's it's a, it's a an Anthony Edwards world that we're living in right now. I mm. think we've seen it. He grew up in this playoff series. The dude is a dude. He's, He's a, dude. a burgeoning superstar in this league. But so is Cat. So let's not be so quick to just write him off because they wouldn't be in this position if not for Kat. And so you kind of got to put some respect on his name. You know, I know he does some things that maybe people are just like they're tired of it. But my question is, and it has been to all the people that are crying about Kat is like, what other recourse do you have? You ship away an, an all-star player, and you probably don't get the type of value that mm-hmm. that you deserve for a guy like that. So you might as well just stick in there, allow the guy to continue to mature, continue to grow, and, and see – where it leads you because the dude is talented and he's only going to continue to get better. He, I really don't even think he's reached his prime yet. And that 26 years old, who has? You know what I mean? Like, he still has some very, very, very good basketball left in him moving forward. And I think that the Timberwolves will be a direct beneficiary of it. Build around cat and
0: ant. Very well said. How about the uh, best six man for the Wolves? Handing out some quick awards here. Best six man coming off the bench. Uh, is there one guy that uh, just kind of jumps out for you?
1: J Mac, Jordan Ooh, McLaughlin. Love the that. Dude is a dude. Like I like his game a lot. And how about him getting critical minutes down dude. the stretch in that game over Delo?
0: As a surface fan, man, I, I sat down and watched those playoffs start to finish. I was so impressed with him. I mean, I was every get looking at him, triple checking him, like, wait a minute, who's this guy again? Because, mm-hmm. like, like you said, stealing minutes from D'Lo. I guess we got to touch on that real quick. Ten seconds it, is the writing on the wall for D'Lo to, you know, hit the uh, the trade machine here this off season.
1: I think they they take some calls. I think they filled some sure. calls. But once again, like you traded D'Lo for. Wiggins. And so it's just like, okay, what type of value are you going to get for a D-Low? I think if you want maybe like a true traditional point guard, you know, I mean, maybe you shouldn't have got rid of Ricky Rubio, mm-hmm. but I think you have to, you have to find a player who is complementary to cat and Ant and d seems to be that guy but he's so inconsistent on the floor mm. and I question his basketball IQ so much sometimes because he does some things that you're just like what are you doing mm. but I think you keep him unless you can find good value for him because like you know he's a he's a piece and a, and we've seen at times that he can positively affect the basketball i mean look at the playing game he can positively affect basketball games but it's so like hit or miss it seems that maybe you try to find someone who you feel like could be consistent so i think you keep the the, the line open you you're like looking at the phone like hey call me and then you're looking at the phone waiting on it to light up about dlo but i don't think you're just like Oh, we just we got to get rid of this guy because, like I said, what do you get for him?
0: That, that's exactly it. And you know me spending all this time during the pre-draft process. I'm all about finding value. And you don't just mm-hmm. get rid of the guy just to get rid of him. You try to at least maximize some value. Still a household name. I mean, mm-hmm. definitely not a guy that, again, you're just going to kick to the streets just because he got a little cold during that last stretch of the playoffs. So yeah. uh, Grizzlies, by the way, did lose game one last night to the Warriors. Going to be interesting yeah. to see who comes out of that series and into the conference finals, no doubt. All right, my favorite segment is here. I'm putting red on the hot seat covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports called What Does It Mean? But first, do you want smart post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Get instant reactions from our Locked On team hosts along with prominent reporters like Kevin Gorg for the Wild and Brandon Warren for the Twins. No fluff. Just 10 minutes of straight analyst after each game. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube and never miss a podcast. All right, Reggie, you ready to jump into my favorite segment, What Does It Mean, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports? You ready? Let's do it. Your first-place division Twins won last night. Mm. That feels good to say. Versus the Rays, 9-3, <laughs> and have won nine of their last ten. In his MLB debut, Josh Weiner pitched six shutout innings and got the victory, showing huge promise as a potential piece of the Twins' rotation. Mm-hmm. However, Sony Gray, Bailey Ober, and Kenta Maeda all on the DL. What does it mean for the lack of the current depth the Twins' rotation currently faces?
1: I think they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I think it means that they got some depth.
0: Yeah, they're weathering the storm right now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like,
1: you got some guys that are going in and and performing swimmingly mm-hmm. under these circumstances. And I think it, it makes you kind of look at the future and you're just like, okay, okay, we, we like this. We like this. You know, you, you, you think when you get Sonny Gray back, you know, that it'll continue to help bolster this staff. Uh, probably not gonna get Kenton back back uh, for a while. Sixty-day DL, the,
0: I believe. Yeah.
1: Well, he had the he had the Tommy John surgery in oh, September right. of last year, and mm-hmm. so usually you're looking at a year, a year okay. and a month, usually. Yeah. And now we're talking about like mm. you know getting into the really getting into the postseason play, right. which you hope that they are and they mm-hmm. will be, and that's just kind of weird to bring a guy back for mm. the playoffs. You know, such a high stakes. Uh, position, but Right.
0: So put but him I in think, the back of your mind.
1: Yeah, but but what I think is, is like having these guys on the IL and then going to these youngsters and, and having them perform well along with the bats that you expect to show up day in and day out, I think you're very, very, very confident and, and you're very encouraged about where the Twins are headed. And, you know, it's so funny because Dylan Bundy came out on Friday and you're just like, dang, man, like... Mm here we go, like, okay, you were just waiting on the other shoe to drop, and it dropped, here we go. But what I think is interesting is, like, you don't expect Dylan Bundy to come out and give up six earned runs like he did on Friday. And I think what's cool is the the Twins bounce back in the next two games and show that they, you know, can, can really put it on teams. And that's encouraging to see if you're a Twins fan as well is, like, look, they're not allowing this to put them in a slump each day is a new day and the pitchers are going out and they're not having the same performance as the last pitcher. And I think what's encouraging to see is that, you know, as you kind of get some of these guys off the injured list, and then, you know, if something happens and Bundy does struggle, I think what you've seen is that maybe, you know, this is really getting out there, but maybe you can turn Bundy into a long reliever or something mm, interesting. down the stretch. Yeah. If, if you yeah. need to, yeah. if he struggles yeah. in that starter role, mm-hmm. because you got guys that you can call on to make a spot start. And maybe they're not a spot starter. Maybe they are a consistent starter for that rotation, like the the young guy yesterday. And so I think... It's encouraging for Twins fans that, you know, pitching was was really the concern. and continues to be the concern when you talk about, like, the performances that the bullpen has had, inconsistent. But I think you are encouraged seeing what you saw this weekend. Like, okay, we can hang despite, you know, any shortcomings that we may have.
0: Yeah, Twins had a seven-game streak, snapped against the Rays in that game one, but bounced back to win those last two, win the series 9-1 and one mm-hmm. in the last 10. Like I mentioned, they got a four-game series starting tonight at mm-hmm. Baltimore. Chris Paddock on the mound looking for his first win, even though his last two outings have been really solid. All right, yeah. next up, what does it mean? The Minnesota Wilds start their playoff run against who else? The St. Louis Blues tonight at home at the XL Energy Center after squeaking by them for the two-seed in the division. What does it mean for their chances to break the curse against one of their biggest rivals they went 0-3 against during the regular season?
1: Now, look, the last time, you know, the Blues – well, the first time the Blues were here this season mm-hmm. was in the Winter Classic. And, That's right. And, you know, the, the Wild didn't start that game like they wanted. But, you know, they came back and made a game of it. And so I think mm-hmm. – You know, what they've shown this season is that they can play with any team Mm -hmm. and they have the capabilities to beat any team. You know, they can get down two, three, four goals and still come back, take you to overtime and win it. And so it's just funny, man. It's like if you're a competitor, you're just like, let's go. Because you're like, okay, look, 0-3 in the regular season. All right, bring it on. This is the playoffs now. It means a little bit more now. We went and got Marc-Andre Fleury to go in net. We got Cam Talbot playing the best hockey of his career right now. Like, let's go then. Let's do this. Like, if you're a competitor, you are like, let's go. And so it 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 makes it it makes it that much sweeter if you can go ahead and get into this series and and take down the blues to move forward. And it kind of sucks. I was talking to Aaron Sickman with the Wild the other day. It's just like, dang, man, it kind of sucks that, you know the first round you got to go against a tough team like this but it's just like look it's the playoffs like if you want to if you want to get to where you want to go you're going to have to beat teams like this anyway so you might as well get it out of the way first and so if you're the wild and and we know this about the wild seeing them this season they are gamers like they are ready and so it's just like look bring it on Let's see what happens. And, you know, hopefully this thing is is thrilling. It's entertaining. I expect it to be. And we'll see if the Wild can do what they didn't do. Like, even just getting one win is something mm. different than what they've done in the regular season because they went winless against this team. So it's it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, a team that you went winless against in the regular season, somehow you're going to find a way to to beat them four times. But I think, you know, if they want to get to where they want to go, they got to do it.
0: Be the best. Got to beat the best anyways. Why not get them right out the gate? Last time yep. the Wild had home ice advantage in a playoff series was fittingly against the Blues in the first round of 2017 when they Ooh. lost in six games. How about that, though? They grind those last two, three weeks to get that two seed, nudge the Blues out, and then mm-hmm. what's their reward? The oh, Blues. they going to play the Blues anyway? <laughs> what? Wait, wait. That's what we – What? That's it? Uh, at least
1: you get some home cooking yeah that's true
0: yeah in front of the home (laughs) ice you're right all right last one when it came to the biggest storylines throughout the nfl draft it had to be the lack of quarterback picks early that was the biggest shocker Mm -hmm. what does it mean when trying to assess the league's view on this year's quarterback class and which landing spot did you like the best
1: i think it means that everything that we were hearing coming into this draft was all true Mm -hmm. and i think we as like fans and and some of the media and you know just as draft nuts you know you're just like man of course you can't just like not take quarterbacks in the first round like this is a quarterback league that what do you mean and it's just like, no, like they were trying to tell us, like they weren't as high on this year's quarterbacks as years past. And it's just like, dang, like time went on. And you're just like, dang, Kenny Pickett went in the first round. And then when are we going to see the next quarterback taken? And so it's interesting because when I look at some of the places where the quarterbacks went, you know, you, you look at Sam Howell going to the Commanders. You look at Malik Willis going to Tennessee. I think that's a great spot for Malik, honestly. I I do think that the Tennessee offense has kind of regressed. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they lost uh, their offensive coordinator, who's now the, the head coach of the Falcons. And I didn't think that their offense looked all that great last season. And so you kind of wonder if the Titans have the staff that will help maximize and get the most out of Malik Willis. But I think that is a great position for him to go to because he doesn't have to worry about playing right away. A lot of, People always talked about how green he is and, and just how raw he is as a talent and he needs to develop. And so he goes to that situation where he kind of is, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes and gets to learn under a Alex Smith, you know, gets to sit back and, and just kind of learn the game, learn the league, and, and really see moving forward if he's a guy that you can just kind of let it rip with. Because I think there is some question about, ryan Tannehill and his long-term viability as a starter with tennessee but you know i I, matt corral was an interesting pick for me you know i think you know you you kind of see what he can do in that regard and so it's just it's just interesting like they really didn't value this quarterback classes as they as they thought you know i i would hope that you know Desmond Ritter gets a chance to kind of sit back and and learn the the pro game behind you Mariota. know Marcus Mariota yeah, and so for sure. you just want to see and and he and Mariota are kind of similar quarterbacks in that regard where they can beat you with the legs but you know they can they can you know I think Ritter maybe has a little bit more of a stronger arm than Mariota does and mm-hmm. he can just kind of launch it out there and it's so funny he he came into the the you know, the post-draft process talking about Atlanta's going to get a Super Bowl out of me. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute, Des. Hold up, like, Chief. It's Hold okay. Up. It's okay. You don't have to do that. I, I right? understand, you know. Mm. What, it's Don't put that type of pressure on yourself coming in. Like, just go in there, learn. I think he, he landed in a great spot to learn from Arthur Smith. Um, and I, I, I like that spot for him. But we'll just see kind of how things develop. You know, Kenny Pickett talked about how, you know, Mitch Trubisky has been one of his mentors since forever. Mm. And now he gets to go and play under him. And I think they would love to see Pickett be the quarterback of their future. But, you know, kind of see what what money-making Mitch can do Mm. for this season. You know, I think what's cool is all these quarterbacks kind of got a chance to get into a situation where they can sit for a bit. And I think that may ultimately prove to be a great thing for this quarterback class. And maybe we see some greater success out of these guys because maybe they aren't thrust into that starting role right away.
0: Sorry, just give me one minute here, Reggie. Just wrapping up my 2023 NFL mock draft. Oh here. my God. Uh, done. Okay, I'll be sure to send that over to you here shortly, okay? Don't oh worry. My gosh. Reggie's going to be sick if he sees one more mock draft in the next eight months. So don't do it. <laughs> all right, that's that's right. You're in the clear here, buddy, for about three and a half weeks, I promise. Three right. and a half Todd weeks. Mc, Todd McShay's 2023 mock draft just, just posted, I think. All right, Reggie, you survived the gauntlet once again. Back here tomorrow a.m. Breaking down the wild game. One playoff matchup versus the Blues. Twins recap versus the Orioles and plenty more. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow them on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV and on Care 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of the Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, be
1: sign blessed. You. Spread love this week.
0: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota.